I'm Stephanie J. Block. And I'm Mary Lee Fairbanks. And we host Stages Podcast. Binge close to 100 episodes. Hear the inside stories from backstage and behind the scenes as we go beyond the resume and into the heart of creativity and what it really takes to be in the business of show business. Don't miss our chats with this season's Tony nominees. If you love theater and entertainment, you are going to love Stages Podcast. Subscribe to Stages Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts and visit us at stagespodcast.net. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. I got a big heart, and I'm very forgiving, but, like, don't abuse it. It's been abused enough. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Check, check, check. One, two, yeah, 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 yeah. That's good enough. Roll it. This is the Wells Cast with Wells Adams, an iHeartRadio podcast. Let's do it. Let's make a podcast, baby, together. I'll take you out to dinner. We'll laugh, we'll cry. And then later on in the evening, I'll say, let's go home, take off our clothes, and make a podcast, baby, together. And then... Magic happens, which is what is a, is about to happen, actually. How's everybody doing? Uh, I'm doing great, I guess. I don't know. I traveled for the first time in, well, I don't know, since before. You know how we have BC, which is before Christ, and then we have AD, which is Autodomini, I think. Uh, we need to have a new denotation for before pandemic and after pandemic. So, uh BP and AP biology. So yeah, I, I haven't traveled since BP, which is crazy. But yeah, I got on a plane and I flew to a place, and I'm in a hotel room. I forgot what hotel rooms are like. They're still kind of creepy. They're always either way too hot or way too cold. Terrible curtains. Wallpaper. What? What was wallpaper besides your grandma? But I do love it. I do. I love room service. I love Mario Lopez telling me what to watch and what to be excited about. I love the whole thing. I am a bit concerned about traveling because everyone told me that like no one was sitting in middle seats and traveling, and that was just not the case. We were packed to the gills, baby. American Airlines said, you know what? F*** it. We're going. All right? Balls to the wall. Let's roll. All right? American Airlines pretend like this is AP. No. BP. But anyways, here we are. Excited for the show today, and I'll tell you why. Well, we're having a guy on the show who I'm a big fan of just in his career. Like, what he's done, what he's created has been really amazing. But then he's done the thing where he's also on Dancing with the Stars, which is how I'm able to get him, because he's got to promote that show, which is great. He was a guy that I did not think was going to do very well on Dancing with the Stars, and, then we, and Sarah and I watched it, and we we're like, what the... This guy's good. This doesn't seem fair. And I feel bad. Because everyone knows I'm Team Caitlyn. Because, I mean, come on, you know? Both from the Bachelor world. And, you know, I've known her for a long time. And I've known that she's wanted this for a long time. And I'm sitting there watching it being like, I don't know what's going to happen with Caitlyn. I mean, she's a great dancer. But my guest today is shockingly good. But here's the deal. He's best known for a documentary he did back in 2010. It's a little film called Catfish. And then, of course, there was a follow-up TV series on MTV called Catfish, which basically airs 24 hours a day on MTV. So if you want to look at this guy's face, turn on MTV, because it's just, it's just footage of this guy tracking down catfishers. His story is crazy, though. He's a New Yorker, and... From what I read on Wikipedia, so it's definitely true, apparently he was studying dance and photography, 
a hipster. No wonder he's kicking ass on Dancing with the Stars. He decided to, I guess, drop the dance portion of his life because he was like never going to make any money on that. Little did he know he was going to be vying for the glitter ball. Is that what it's called? Disco ball? Golden ball? Dancing ball? ball? I've said balls too many times. So he focused on photography. And it worked out because, well, he got catfished, I guess, and then he decided to make a movie about it. And guess what? That movie had now made him, I would assume, millions of dollars. But I'm sure the story is much more intricate than that. And today on The Wellscast, we are going to dive down deep into that story. But, of course, we're also going to talk about Dancing with the Stars. And not only are we going to have the host of Catfish on The Wellscast today, but we're also going to have his dancing partner on as well. This is a show I'm telling you you are not going to want to miss. Because on The Wellscast today, it's Neve Shulman and Jenna Johnson. Stick around. You guys are going to love this one. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I, I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, if, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Jack Black's in the waiting room. Let's bring him in. <laughs> well, hey. Oh my. Yes. There he is. There's Jack. Hey, Jack, put on your video. Wait, am I Jack? Oh. <laughs> oh, is it still saying Jack? Black? I got really excited and now. That's so funny. I got to fix that. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? Your name is Jack Black. Yeah. <laughs> 
No, I know. That's because um, a, my friend at TikTok invited me to come on his like the Friday company meeting and they try to get like a celebrity every week and he lied and told people Jack Black was going to do it. And then it was me, obviously. So it was like a whole catfish joke. Oh, Oh, I got it. First of all, I just want everyone to know that I just took a COVID test. So we're safe. And uh, you seem to be quarantining in some palatial hotel as well. Yes. (laughs) I haven't been to a hotel well since before Corona. And I forget how weird tells are. Like bad curtains. I, like there's some guy yeah. that's like, you know what? We're doing bad curtains. And then like wall. Who does <laughs> wallpaper? But every hotel room's got wallpaper. There's a chandelier. This place is definitely haunted. Hold on, I want to see <laughs> yeah, if I can guess. Was... I want to see if I can guess where you are and what hotel you're in. Okay. If if you get this, I will literally kill you. But go. Well, wait a second. All right, so so you're obviously. I'm just gonna jo- go by the light on your face that you're you're cl- clearly central or eastern. Yep. Okay. I'm gonna say sort of. I want to <laughs> say southern. No, is that wrong? Okay, so you're on the northern side of the country. Yeah. Are you east coast? <laughs> I'm in the eastern time zone. Eastern time zone. It looks the hotel looks nice. I have to say that. I mean, yeah. you don't get curtains like that at a Holiday Inn Express. That's definitely like. <laughs> Um, it, at least a sh- like a Sheraton or um, a Marriott. Is this how or, you- or, or Crown Plaza? I don't know. Is this how you do catfish? You're like. <laughs> I mean, I'm always no, but seriously, I am. I'm always looking at like the weird little details. I mean, look, you got Crown Molding. I mean, that's a, you're in a nice hotel. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm at the Nemecolon Resort in Resort. Wow, Farmville, Pennsylvania. Just a stone's throw from Pittsburgh. We're filming The Bachelor here. And so I'm in in the quarantine. And I don't know how dancing does your tests, but the ones for The Bachelor are done by f***ing sadists. We just get to do it ourselves. Yeah, Yeah. that's what I've done. This one is they shove a a pipe cleaner straight back into your cerebellum. They tickle like your lizard brain, so like your butthole clenches while your foot wiggles, because you have no control over your body. And yeah. I, no joke, I asked them to do it early because I've been crying for the past like fifteen minutes, and I was like, I can't have, I can't have Neve, and I can't have Jenna see me, see me like this. Crying. I mean, because well, Jenna, actually, the only time you've ever hung out with me was when I was crying because you taught me how to dance one time. <laughs> And I made like I've only ever made, I made a, you perform. I've only ever made a fool of myself on reality TV on national television. And thank you for continuing the trend. Neve, I don't even know if you know this, but I was on Dancing with the Stars a couple seasons back <laughs> as a background dancer. And <laughs> you were not. You were a guest star. I mean, this is what happened. I was with grocery store Joe. And they were like, you know what, Joe needs some backup because he's not very great. So let's bring in 17 other Bachelor guys. Yeah. So I had a whole number with a bunch of Bachelor guys, and Wells was one of them. We did a salsa. I'm pretty sure everyone ripped their wife beaters off. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It was fabulous. And I don't know if you can tell me from this Zoom call, but I am not in good shape. And so, and everyone else had just abs from their titties to their tails. I know, except for me. Isn't that like one of the prerequisites for being on The Bachelor? Yeah, but I was I was an outlier. All right, (laughs) we're you're talking eighth place over here, buddy. Don't worry about it. Um, Oh man. Well, let's get into it. Welcome, guys, to the Wells Cast, Jenna. I've been a huge fan of yours for a very long time. I'm so excited to say that I've actually gotten to hang out with you and you t- you tried to teach me how to dance and that was really exciting. <laughs> of course, I, I love your worst half as well. He's an amazing man. He's a good one. He's a good one. Neve, I've been a fan of yours for a very long time. If people don't know, so MTV used to play music videos and then they decided to just play your show for like <laughs> 24 hours straight. Catfish <laughs> is amazing. 
my fiance is a gigantic fan of Dancing with the Stars, and so by proxy, I watch your guys' show. I must say, that's right. I must say, event when her career goes to shit, she is going to be on that show. All right, I promise. I, mean, I was you. gonna say, what what's taking her so long? She should be with Val. We'll make it happen right now. By the way, Neve Wells's fiance is Sarah Highland from Modern Family, and she's stunning. Also, Wells, do you know what? Sometimes people tell me that we look alike, which is makes me want to die. It's the best compliment I ever, ever get. It's so funny. Um, I, was, I was talking to her last night, and she was like, is Jenna on? And I was like, yeah. And she was like, you know, if I ever do that show, I would definitely be friends with her because we definitely look exactly the same. And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, goodness. big eyes, tiny little nose, and we're both skinny. And I was like, oh, my <laughs> God, you've thought about that. this. Yeah, we're and making I, it happen. I wouldn't say Jenna has a small nose, though. Oh, Neve, coming <laughs> from you. Let's compare and rehearsal later. Okay, so hold on. I just want to talk about dancing real quick because obviously I come from this bachelor world, so I'm I have to be kind of rooting for Caitlyn. I had no idea, Neve, that you were going to be so good. I talked to Caitlyn after the show, the really small little black Sky. girl from Disney. Yes. I was like, she's really good. And then you performed, and I was oh, at Caitlin, you are f***ed. <laughs> because not only, <laughs> Neve, not only are you a good, really good dancer, but this is where you kill it. And this, if I was ever on the show, this is where I would shine. You shine... <laughs> When other people are about to dance and then they go to like, like you guys are all up on the balcony and people are just sitting there just like, oh, finger in their nose, like not doing anything. And then, and then he's in full f***ing character. It's like Jack oh. Sparrow, like pretending to be drunk. He's like, ah, love, here we go. Oh man, he like is nailing this and he's not even dancing right now. And that's what I knew. <laughs> Caitlin was screwed. So... Are you having the most fun or does this suck? Because everyone I've talked to from this show is like, it's so much fun, but like there are muscles in my body that I didn't know exist now that I don't, I wish I hadn't known existed. Yeah, I mean, I, I could give you that honestly as an answer as well. I just feel like years and years ago, I hid and sort of closed away my stage presence and burning desire to, to perform. And I kind of just shut it down. And, you know, I have catfish now for almost a decade and I get to be on screen, but you know, I'm, I'm playing a very mature, even objective version of myself, which I'm happy about. And I love that I have a career based on that, but I am at my core of wild, a wild att attention starved performer. <laughs> and so getting to finally let that out, it's a little scary actually, because I've, I've already started thinking and talking to Jenna and like I even told my agent, I was like, career change, <laughs> this whole catfish thing, get me on Broadway or something. Like I need to, I need the lights, I need the oh, audience. I, like <laughs> I have two things. Number one, well, yesterday me found out that there's a new show called Masked Dancer. And he's like, I need to get on the show. I need to get on the show. I was dying. I know. And even Mass Singer, I mean, you know, what? I just need more. I need more live performance shows. That's like, that's where I, that's where I belong. I think his literal favorite parts of the live shows are those in between moments. So last week was 80s night. Neve found a broken phone, a telephone. I have no idea where in CBS he found this. He brought it to our pod. And in between when people were getting their scores and then those like when they go to us and the pods and up on the balconies. He's like, hold the phone. I'm going to be pretending to be on it. And you'll like twirl the, sh like he <laughs> loves those in between moments. It is hysterical. It's, it's a full on, he's on 1000% of the time. It's hysterical. I was like reading up on you and you were going to school <laughs> for both photography and for dancing. When you say reading up, do you mean you looked at like the, the, the two sentence paragraph on my Wikipedia page, that's completely <laughs> inaccurate. So yeah, I went to a, a liberal arts college, Sarah Lawrence, mm -hmm. and for one semester took one dance class. I wouldn't say I was studying dance, but that's it. So I love that that's sort of being, you know, misconstrued as this like, oh, he's, you were a, you were studying dance at a- He at went to Juilliard school. for yeah. dance. Yeah. yeah. Are you just trying to sandbag all of us? People are finding out you were in the production of Cats, and now they're like, this isn't fair. No, you know, you know I what? I wish. I wish, yeah. You know what I will say, though? I danced with this 
youth dance program called NDI from fifth grade through eighth grade. Mm -hmm. It wasn't formal. I didn't learn any specific style. It was just sort of casual kid, jazzy. Well, I don't know what you call it, hip hop, whatever. And then I lightly took a dance class here or there through high school and college, starting in, I guess it was 2003 when I was probably 19 or 20. I was making films at the time and I had a production company with my brother doing like bar mitzvah videos and wedding documentaries and all that. I got lucky that I got introduced to the dancers of New York City Ballet and started photographing and filming them and, and spent like the next 10 years basically fully immersed in the world of contemporary ballet and dance in general as a photographer, filmmaker and audience member. You know, it's funny, I should probably get it down, but for a long time I saved every ticket stub I ever went to a, like a performance or a show. You did not. I did. And you I didn't have tell like me that. three or four boxes of probably thousands of ticket stubs from, from performances that I was going to. So I actually consider myself like having sort of received, if you will, like a diploma or a degree in dance, but from watching yeah, and, and just sort of being around dancers and, and learning about the choreographic process from sitting in a studio, taking pictures and hearing the conversations and watching dances get built. So when I'm, when I'm dancing with Jenna or when we're rehearsing, I'm calling up all of that information and all that technique that I've been listening to and learning about and, and getting to finally use it. So it does give me an advantage for sure, but I've never actually done the movement myself. Jenna, of all the people that you've coached or mentored on this show, is he in your top five best? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Really? There's, I think there's a she always, she's always talking about Adam Rippon. <laughs> like, obviously, I'm not Adam, but no, he's in, he's in my top, my top two for sure really well we just we just haven't finished the season yet you know so right. listen if he brings me home a mirror ball yeah he might get that first place spot i'm not sure <laughs> by the way how does it work the mirror ball do, is there two of them like do you if you win do you both i was just get wondering it? that we have to we have to share it we have to send <laughs> yeah. it back and forth no i was just looking because i have one right in this room no you get two we don't have to like split custody and pay child support on the maribel it's it's yours um and there's two of them and they have your name on it it's so cute how many do you have jenna so after this is it nice is it it does it feel expensive yeah it's heavy well so in my house right now we have three but two of them are my husband. <laughs> so I have one. I have one one time. We got it. We got it. We got to even out. So I just want to even it out. I know because, you know, I want to put them in the living room on like separate little shelves. And then it would, my OCD brain, it would just balance out perfectly. Yeah. I just want to know, who do you honestly think is your biggest competition this season? I've been sort of thinking about it in terms of guys and girls. Yeah. I don't know how it works really. But in my head as a producer, I'm thinking like, okay, they're going to want to obviously keep if they can, an even number of guys and girls to sort of the final night, right? And so usually there's four couples in the final night. So if I'm if I'm putting myself in that top four. L- listen to the producer uh, talking right now. He's totally oh, got this thing. Always. Going. I love He's it. He's always there. <laughs> but putting myself in the top four. Yeah. Um, I think that for guys. Um, give us the top four. Give us, I, I, I'm so curious. Let me know. Go. Well, you're, you're like... Tyra now. They're in my ear telling me I I, I need I, I need you to just give me a name. Give me a name. Who are you saving? Um, I'm, I'm gonna okay. give you four. All right, so me and Johnny, I think, as the guys. And then Caitlin and Justina, I think maybe are the, the two top female competitors, is my guess for, for like who's gonna go the distance. Wow. Jenna, what do you what think? What do you think, Jenna? I would have thrown AJ in there. I know AJ's great, but I, uh, I know it's, it's May, tough. Yeah. I don't know. It is tough. AJ is, is great, but I I do think he's right. I think Justina and Caitlin um, are stars, and I think they've been so consistently good. I think we'll definitely see them at the end. I mean, but Jeannie's great too. But if, but if I had to put Jeannie against Justina, Justina just does have a little bit more of an ease and and polish to her dancing i don't know it's tough so much of it has to do i feel like with fan voting not for nothing that too i love grocery store joe but he was horrible and he had (laughs) bachelor nation behind him like saving his ass every freaking week i feel like 
we almost got to the finals with Bachelor Nation. When I came, and we were getting like straight fives, and everyone else was getting tens in like the quarterfinals week. Yeah, <laughs> and they were like going to the semifinals, Joe and Jenna, and I was like, what? I remember when I came to visit or whatever, and he was like. He's like, Wells, I'm going to win this thing. I'm like, no, you are not going to. You're horrible, dude. And he's like, no, I think I'm going to fucking win this thing. And I was like, no, I don't think so, but good for you. So I guess my, my second question is, aside from talent, who do you think has the big fan base to push them through? Yeah, that's also a big factor. I think Jeannie, she has a great fan base. And I also think she is so relatable and just sweet and endearing. Nelly, Neve and I were talking about this last night. He walks onto the floor and your heart melts. It's crazy. He just walks and you're just like. (laughs) He also also does something that is so endearing, which is immediately the second we all met and like started being around each other, he gives everyone a nickname, (laughs) like a really cool, funny, personalized nickname. And that's what he calls you for the rest of like every time you see him. And it's like. It really works. It makes you feel like he's Just your buddy. T- yeah. Tell him your nickname. Tell him. Oh, yeah, I'm Cat Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> Nelly walking by, and he's like, oh, you what up, Cat Daddy? And I just die. <laughs> it's so funny. Hopefully, Caitlin doesn't listen to this. I know she doesn't, but it's fine. <laughs> Neve, I'm rooting, I'm rooting for you, bro. I'm rooting for the Cat Daddy. Nice. Wow. Yeah. I appreciate that. That's great. I want, well. I want to be respectful of your time, but I also want to kind of get into the meat of what this show is. So is there anything else you want to talk about in terms of Dancing with the Stars that uh, we didn't touch on? I think we've covered it. Yeah. Other than keep voting every Monday night. Yeah. yeah. Vote for that cat daddy, guys. I'm just so for <laughs> Okay, quick break. When we come back, we're doing origin stories. We're going to find out where Neve and where Jenna came from and how the hell they got here. Stick around. You're listening to The Wells Cast. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex and then he's very vulnerable so you can kill him easily to die for is available now listen for free on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts i'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for god to give you your next step and you don't know what it is yet you need god to show you your next step Because, God, I can't stay where I am, like I am, where it is. This isn't going to work. I I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on Wasp. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us. They burned us and subject us to really horrible, uh, cruel and unusual punishment. After my personal experience at Provo Canyon School, I was shocked to learn that a man named Robert Litchfield, a man who got his start at the school that I went to, 
would go on to create a multi-million dollar empire. He was trying to brand us, so we were going to become the McDonald's in treatment. The Worldwide Association of Specialty Programs and Schools. They prey on, you know, a parent's really natural and beautiful love for their children in a really, really, unfortunately, effective way. At this time in my life now, if someone presented this program to me, and not just because I've already experienced it, sham, scam, beware. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, back on the Wells cast. Very excited to have Neve Shulman and Jenna Johnson on the show. You guys are currently on Dancing with the Stars, absolutely killing it. I don't know if anyone told you guys what the kind of like the, the premise of the show is, its origin stories. And I'm just kind of fascinated with how successful people became successful and like what their blueprint was to get to where they are today. Obviously, we've got two guests today, so we'll kind of do an abridged version of this. Let's do ladies first. Jenna, you are in a very enviable position. I know a lot of dancers just from doing entertainment and showbiz over in Nashville, and I had a bunch of friends who were on like, so you think you can dance and all that kind of stuff, and I know that getting on this show is a huge deal. Yes, it's Dancing with the Stars, but you're also a star now like you've become part of the zeitgeist that the show has created which is super cool so how the hell did you get to this point yeah i completely agree i also wanted to start off by saying you know they did a poll i think it was last year that dancers are one of the most underpaid professions in the industry as backup dancers as you know touring dancers as anything and so I think this show has created a career for many dancers, and I feel very, very, very lucky to be part of it. Um, but how I got here, I was actually born in California. I have a lot of siblings. I am one of six. They were always into athletics, sports. I have two older sisters. They danced. My dad was offered a job in Utah, and we moved our whole family to Utah which is crazy because Utah happens to be one of the mega dance locations, which is crazy. But we happened to find a studio that was called Center Stage Performing Arts. And that studio has produced Derek Huff, Julianne Huff, Lindsay Arnold, Whitney Carson, Brandon Armstrong, myself. And these are just, this is all from one studio in Utah. I feel like I owe everything to my dance training, everything to that studio. And I just knew I loved dance. I started when I was three. No one could get me to stop performing at school, family gatherings. I just, I loved performing. And I started with ballet, jazz, contemporary, hip hop, tap, you know, those kind of basics. And I wasn't introduced to ballroom until I was about 10. And I just loved all styles. I couldn't choose one that I just wanted to give up for the other. So I did all, I did all styles throughout high school um, and competitively. So one weekend I would be at a jazz convention competition. The next weekend I would be at a national championship for ballroom. So I had zero social life, which, you know, who needs a social life um, when you're that age? But I was a competitive dancer and I just knew that's all I ever wanted to do. You know, when people are like, if you weren't a dancer, what would you want to be? I just, I don't even know because that was just always in my, my DNA, I think. I had just gone to a world championships in ballroom when I was 18 years old. And I got home and so you think you can dance auditions were going to be the next week. And my mom was like, you know, do you want to do this? You've kind of always talked about it, but it's never been the right time. So we flew to Memphis and I auditioned for the show. So you think you can dance? They picked me out of thousands of dancers. They moved me to LA. I made it onto the live show. I made it pretty far in that competition. I definitely wasn't the dancer that I felt I should have represented myself as. I think I was like two in my head. I was going through a lot of like personal issues at the time. But from that show, you know, we're both filmed at CBS in Los Angeles. And so the producers kind of see from Dancing with the Stars, see these new contestants on So You Think You Can Dance. And ultimately I was reached out to right after um, the season ended. And I was snatched and grabbed and put onto Dancing with the Stars at 19 years old. And I have been here ever since. Wait, did you go straight to being a pro on the show? You... No, 
No. So I did troop for a few seasons, which I think is kind of their routine. Well, usually it's now there's no troop. Um, but, you know, they like to get these new dancers and get them into the mental space of watching and what dancing on camera looks like, how to train a partner, you know, that whole, I mean, it's, it's a crazy process if you've never done it before. Um, so I feel really lucky because I had a few seasons of that. And then I also was mentored by Mandy Moore, who's just one of the most fabulous directors, creators, choreographers. She choreographed La La Land and she was the main choreographer on the show when I first joined. And so for about four years, I was mentored by her and I feel like she just changed my life, made me the dancer, the choreographer, the producer, director, like just my mind has been fully changed because of her. So one of the greatest things to happen to me. And then I'm here. I, you know, I always knew I wanted to be a professional dancer. I thought it would be more in a Broadway scene, but I guess television and more commercial dancing was my calling for now. I do have this itch that I would love to do more Broadway um, eventually because I love the live performance for an audience. There's nothing that can beat that feeling, you know, that adrenaline rush and the connection you have with the audience members and their reaction to things. So I see myself dancing for my whole life. I'm sure I'm gonna, you know, have some babies or my body's gonna slowly break down on me once I get older and older and older, I already feel it, but I love it. I love performing, I love dancing. I wanna do it forever. And then I married a dancer, I mean. We need to get into Val in a second, but hold on, I wanna go back to growing up, you were one of six. I come from a big family too. <laughs> Can I guess where you will fall in birth order? Yes. I in think birth order, please. Birth order is important, man. It is. It shows a lot. Whether of... you were neglected or whether you were, you know, the first. I think you were the baby. I was supposed to be the baby. Oh. I'm I'm number five. And then my parents five years after me had a mistake. Whoops, yep. A very, very big mistake. Um the best mistake ever, and he is now the baby. So I am number five. Where are you? I am number five, but I am the baby. Oh, wow. Yeah. Where are you? You're the old. No, you're the. No, I'm just the youngest of two. I just have one brother. So you go to Utah. You're doing all this stuff. Is there any point where your parents are like, okay, but also you should probably like get a degree in finance, like just in case? I am the only sibling to not go to college and pursue getting a diploma or a degree. I'm really, really grateful to my parents because they never made me feel less than and they never made me feel like that, that me achieving my goals or wanting to pursue this career out in, in Los Angeles wasn't possible. So they always supported me doing it. I think they were terrified when 18 year old Jenna was like, I'm moving to Los Angeles by myself. Here goes nothing because they don't have any connection to you know, the industry. And I know that my family is really affected. Like I get annihilated on social media. I get trolled. And then I met, I met Val and I started dating him on the low. And then we got engaged. People have an issue with it. Like, and then it was coming onto my family. My family didn't know how to deal with it. The press, media, like it's all so new to them. They live in this very like conservative Utah, this tiny place. You know, I'm, I'm still their baby. I'm still their daughter. But I, I live, literally, it feels like a different country sometimes. I'm really grateful just for the way that they raised me. My dad always implemented hard work. You have to work for what you want. I feel like that's just been instilled in me from a really young age. And so I love working hard. And I'm very competitive. It's pretty bad. But also, you know, growing up with a ton of siblings, you're all competitive. Yeah. You want to beat each other at like freaking ping pong and in the garage i don't know i think by the way wells i don't know if you know this yeah i just think it's worth mentioning because you talk about being one of six janice family are mormons yeah you knew that <laughs> i assumed once the utah thing was brought into play yeah and and i didn't know you guys were from california but you're also i mean i don't know all of your siblings but i know many of your siblings like by the time they're 20 or 22 like they're married and yeah having kids like which is not necessarily a specifically Mormon thing, but like for you to leave the family and go into entertainment and start dating this like Jewish Russian guy from New York City, like a Russian those are a lot guy, of things, right, that are not in line with the sort of theme of your siblings. I was lives. always the black sheep of the family for sure. I was always like kind of the outlier. But 
again, I think that they saw something special in me. They were so encouraging of me pursuing that. But yeah, I, I did meet Val on the show my first season. I think anyone that knows Val or has met him even one time, you're just drawn to him. There's something so magnetic and charming and suave and sophisticated. I mean, it's ridiculous. So I had no chance when I was 19 and this kid comes up to me and starts talking to me in this like thick Brooklyn Russian accent, <laughs> smells divine. And I'm like, it's, it's a wrap. It's a wrap. Yeah, so he immediately stole my heart. But, you know, dating publicly is so weird and just annoying. People want clickbait. They just want to know more. And you're, and you're still trying to figure it out. So that was interesting. But I think eventually we figured out our place and that we loved each other. Uh, it took some time. But it's, it's just the best. And it's weird because, I mean, we're two dancers. Married on the same freaking show, you know, it, it's very unique. I don't, I don't know a lot of people that could work together, work together, work in the same industry, work in the same field, work on the same show. It's a lot, but I really appreciate how we've been able to find a balance. And, you know, right now, because of quarantine, we're separated and because of the show, we have to live separately. Really? So, but usually, yeah. But yes, why? We are, if you're both quarantining... So we don't, because they don't want to affect our partners. So say like Val were to get coronavirus, yeah, okay. he would be affecting then his partner, Monica, and then me, and then me. So that would eliminate two couples, you know? Got it. Okay. We're pretty good about finding a good balance of when we come home, there's no dance talk. There's no show, work talk. It's We need to find like Jenna and Val moments and have a date night or talk about us or have a movie night. Like we love doing the stupid, simple, annoying couple things. All I want to do is watch a freaking movie and fall asleep on the couch with him. Like, that's all I want to do. Why can't, why can't women watch a movie? What? Why is it you so mean hard stay to, awake? Yeah, or even just sit there and watch the freaking movie without looking at your phone or getting up and missing all the important moments. Like, I, I try every time I try to watch a movie with my <laughs> wife, it's just like, I'm constantly See, annoyed you know, that she's just not, just watch the movie. No, I I love movies, so I don't usually check my phone during them. I'm like a little too into it. But the thing is that I can't stand is, why do men always fall asleep in movies? It's the first 15 minutes and Val's snoring. <laughs> you know that the last year before Corona, we went to six movies and he fell asleep in every single one of them in the theater. Yeah, wow, he's like, that... babe, it's so dark and it's warm, and I'm just like tired. Uh, we can't go to the ones. Is it IPix? The ones that like recline back, lean and back, food, yeah, food and drinks. Don't even, don't um, even waste your twenty two fifty on no, that. No way. Can't do it. So, what did your parents think of you? You know, not marrying a Mormon guy. You know, a Russian Jew from New York. You know, I think at first it was okay, what is this going to look like? Yeah. Because it wasn't the standard mold that all my other siblings had done or all of my other aunts and uncles or cousins. I'm the yeah, only one go, to... Yeah, you're just going through like a bad girl phase. It'll pass. Yeah, Yeah. no, it, it was like, <laughs> oh, we're getting married. Thankfully, they got to know Val over the years and they absolutely adore him. Yeah. And so I think that they trusted him and just, you know, him as a being. And not everyone is going to see eye to eye on everything. It is definitely a big difference. And also too, in his culture, like his mom does not speak English. So for him to be marrying a non-Russian girl was also kind of difficult for his parents and his whole family. Like when we have family gatherings with his family, there's not one word of English spoken. It is only Russian. So it was like West Side Story, our wedding. It was two insanely, completely opposite worlds coming together, but it was, the mutual connection was love and respect and family. We both come, you know, we have these like crazy, loud, outspoken families. And so to see our worlds collide was everything. I had ulcers for, I mean, you're planning a wedding. I had ulcers for about two months leading up to our wedding. So I was like, I don't even know what this is going to look like. Are there going to be fights? Are people going to, is someone going to be crying? Is there going to be drama? I would do it a thousand times over again because that's how perfect the night was. Like I had no idea what it was going to look like and it exceeded all my expectations. It was just the most beautiful day. That's nice to hear because 
for our wedding, we already did the engagement party, which was terrifying. It's like the Capulets and the Montagues. Oh, yeah. Sarah's family is like super liberal Manhattan actors. And then we've got my family. who My dad's a doctor, lives on Fox News. And I was just like, this is going to be the worst experience of my life. These two people are going to come together and they're going to just start following each other on Facebook and seeing the shit that they each other post. It's never going to work. <laughs> But I will say that, like, uh, it ended up the engagement party was good. We we're, were through step one. We got to get through step two. Last thing, if you could give a piece of advice to any upcoming dancer, what would it be? Ooh, oh man, the dance industry is hard, honestly. And I have so much respect and admiration for those dancers that are auditioning job after job after job that aren't getting hired, aren't getting picked. What I would say for anyone that wants to pursue this as a career, do it. Because when you do get that yes or that okay, it is the most fulfilling thing in the world. And you can do it. There are so many opportunities. I feel like dance is thriving. It's in movies, it's in commercials. TikTok, it's baby, in- just get on TikTok. Yeah. Ew, gross. It's on TikTok. No, but the real like trained dancers, there is a path for you. So just do it, explore it, go for it. Don't get discouraged when there's a billion no's because there's going to be a yes and it will change your life. I love it. All right, Neve, you're up. How the hell did you get to this point? I mean, mainly, honestly, by f***ing up a lot. I would say that weirdly looking back at my path to success, it was a lot of mistakes. It was a lot of not false starts, but getting into something. And then when it got hard, kind of giving up and just moving on to something else. Not exactly the traditional hard work pays off approach. And I would also just say a lot of luck and good, just sort of good fortune. Um, but basically, grew up in New York City. I do actually think that the first and sort of most meaningful experience and memory I have as a kid was dancing with NDI. That was the first time as a sort of rambunctious, bad student, hyperactive kid, I found something that I was good at. Performing just sort of felt like a natural fit because I was always, you know, desperately seeking attention. And then middle school, high school, college, again, kind of a series of failures. got kicked out of some schools, suspended from schools. For what? I got my first, I, I think I got tech. I don't know if I got technically kicked out or if it wasn't a good fit, but in kindergarten, I w- was, was at our first, maybe it was first grade. Started young. Was, yeah. First grade, I, I changed schools because I was just a troublemaker. Like my friend and I, Josh would, we would like clog the urinals and flush them until they flooded the bathroom. And like, I don't know, just stupid. And then this, the school that I went to in what I guess was second grade was this sort of fancy prep school in New York City. And it was not a fit because I just wasn't a good student mainly. So that didn't happen. And then I, fifth grade, I moved finally to this great little small school that was very arts focused. It was then the day school. Now it's the Trevor day school. And so I had a really small class of like 45 kids, which meant that the, that, that was my whole class, which meant that our actual classes were only like 10 or 12 students. And that was the first time that I, could really get sort of the hands-on teaching that I needed. But anyway, that school worked out. But then unfortunately my senior year, I stole like a wireless internet card from the computer teacher's desk because that was a new thing at the time, obviously wireless internet. And I desperately wanted that for my laptop. And so just like an idiot, I stole it. And then I got busted. And anyway, I got suspended for like the second half of senior year of high school and just kind of was always finding my way into situations where my, like, for example, I just, I had this like little gas powered moped or scooter, like they're called go-peds. They're basically a scooter with like a tiny little lawnmower engine on the back wheel. Yep. Everyone um, had a go-ped. Of course. We know what really? that is. Well, not in New York yes. City. Maybe, maybe okay, like, yeah, you're right. right, right. So for, in New York City, I was like the, I was like the first and only person to be riding around on one of these things. And it was just buzzing down the street. And I was going through Central Park. I knew it, but it had never really been an issue that they are technically illegal because any gas powered car or, or vehicle needs to be registered in New York City. That's like a big deal because, you you know, they're pretty tough about that sort of th- stuff. Yeah. And I was riding through Central Park, like on a walkway path. So the, a policeman pulled me over. I had been pulled over before and I always gave him the same sort of, oh, I didn't know. I'm so sorry. I'll take it home. I won't ride it anymore. And so I gave him the shtick. But they were this guy was like not letting me go and and he had like a bunch of i guess now i i learned later like cadets in training or 
the young like rookie police officers and he was sort of just using this as a teaching moment sort of how to handle a situation with something like this and so i got like pissy and i told him you know hey look man you know what are you gonna do you know are you gonna arrest me yeah and so he arrested me wow well yeah because it turns out like this was the captain training these kids and he wasn't gonna let some piss ant like snot-nosed kid call him out so it was a series of events like that where i was sort of always challenging authority always pushing the limits, seeing how far I could go, what I could get away with. I, I wouldn't call it stolen a car because I only really borrowed it. But like <laughs> there was this mechanic shop out in Long Island <laughs> that they always had cool cars that they were working on. And I love old cars. And so I remember I was walking around the lot one evening. I There was one car that I really liked. I looked in and the door was open and then like the keys were on the floor of the car. I was just like, I got to drive this car. I you can't. know. So I took it for like a joyride. Anyway, there are other stories, but long story short, I made a lot of mistakes. I, I lost a lot of friends. And I, I think I, um, I really relied a lot on, as a sort of insecure person, I really presented myself as a very confident person and used that sort of false confidence. And, and in most cases, flirtation, which was sort of, I guess what I thought was like my, my most, Im- not impressive, but like, I was comfortable flirting with people, which I know a lot of people aren't good at. So I thought like, oh, well, I'm, I'm a good flirt and I'm, I don't, I'll go up to anyone and say anything. So I'll use that as like my opener. It took me a while, but I eventually learned that that while can, can be, I guess, useful, was actually making a lot of people uncomfortable. And it just wasn't like, it wasn't a, a last, it wasn't the like kind of impression, a lasting impression that you want to make on someone that I'm this guy that like is always sort of schmoozing and, and flattering because it just felt fake anyway not sure how i got to that but long again what i'm trying to say is that i was a mess a total disaster ended up getting into a fight with my best friend since kindergarten we both got kicked out of the same public school together after that fight which unfortunately ended with a physical altercation that sucked for him and it was just awful like i sort of bottomed out hit it just hit rock bottom he wasn't talking to me anymore he was also a friend of my brother. So my brother was furious at me. Our mothers had been best friends. And now she, like the whole thing was just really shitty. And it was, you know, I, I th- though we had both participated in the argument, I was the one that had like crossed the line and taken it too far. I kind of had to rethink everything, look at myself honestly for the first time and say like, okay, who am I? Because now I'm realizing that all these people that I thought were my friends who I thought liked me are kind of telling me that they know I'm a good guy, but they also think I'm a huge asshole. So I've got to redo something. And so I did, I really listened for the first time probably in my life. This was when I was 19 and and like actually looked around and took stock of what I had and mainly probably what I didn't have and what I wanted. And and that was to have friends and to be part of a group and to be involved with people that I admired and respected. And I didn't, I, I, I that up, I lost that. I really started over. The first thing I did was I wanted to rebuild my friendship with my brother, who at the time was becoming a film director with his best friend, Henry. And so I did everything I could to earn their respect back. And that really sort of started when I decided to rent an office space downtown because I knew they didn't have an office. And this was in the building. There were two buildings on Broadway between White and Franklin in in Tribeca that were uh, owned by the same family, the, the Fink family. And Diane Fink was our landlord. And so, a bunch of our friends had already moved into these like little artist studios. Josh and Benny Safdie, who you might now know are really amazing film directors. Casey Neistat and Van Neistat, also brothers and incredible filmmakers. Lena Dunham was also down there. It was this really cool sort of little hub of New York City. Oh yeah, Alex Kalman and Sam Lysenko and just all these amazing artist filmmakers. And so I got us a studio. And I sort of bullied them. I was like, hey guys, I rented the studio. Do you want to move in and share it with me? And obviously I didn't tell them at the time that I had rented a studio that I couldn't afford. And I essentially needed them to move in. Otherwise I wouldn't be able to pay for it. But I I sort of took a chance and it worked out. And I kind of became like an office assistant for them. And also at the time was making bar mitzvah videos and wedding videos. And so, you know, I would hire them sometimes to shoot stuff or edit stuff along with all of their filmmaker friends who are now big time directors, you know, who all went to NYU together. And so I kind of just slowly worked my way back into this incredible group of super talented artists and I ended up working for the Neistat brothers. And anyway, it, it worked, right? So I kind of just slowly got back into that group. 
And then my dad, who gets, I think, a, a lot of credit and should, he got involved with New York City Ballet uh, and a specific uh, gentleman dancer named Benjamin Millipier, who was doing a choreographic workshop in Long Island that summer. And so my dad agreed to house some dancers for three weeks so that they could all stay and live and work in out in the Hamptons, and go to this studio every day and rehearse. And my dad said to me, Neve, look, I don't know what your plans are this summer, but I'm hosting these dancers. There's this amazing workshop. You got to come check it out. And I did. And immediately something clicked. I'd never really thought of myself as a fan of ballet. I didn't really know what contemporary ballet even meant. I think like most people, I just assumed ballet. Oh, that's like boring old, you know, long stories of Cinderella and Sleeping Beauty. And like, I don't care. I'm not into it. Little did I know that contemporary ballet is or can be this incredibly se sexy, athletic, um, oftentimes, you know, no, not like costume or, or even set based, just like stark, fiery dance. And I just fell in love with it. And getting to know the dancers and getting to be a part of it and to be in close proximity in the studio, watching them and photographing them and filming them was incredible and immediately became friends with some of them. And so my life just, I'm telling you, in like three weeks, just did a full 180. I went from kind of just being this goofy New York, you know, like, uh, I wouldn't say an entrepreneur, but like this guy that just was really, you know, it started my own little business making these videos and was just having fun to all of a sudden having this like focus and passion. And that really was a big turning point for me. And so I got more and more involved with New York City Ballet and getting to know the dancers. My father and I started going to ballet, honestly, almost every night um, because every night it's a different program. There's different dances or you're seeing the same dances with different dancers. Like a sports fan gets obsessed with their team. Like I became obsessed with the dancers of New York City Ballet. They were my team and I was in the audience rooting for them every night and then dating some of them after the show, which was a perk <laughs> for sure. Anyway, so so I spent I spent six or seven years just, I mean, if I told you obsessed isn't even really, doesn't do it justice, just totally immersed in the world of dance. Super fan. Super fan. I would make them like company t-shirts. We would throw them parties. He was uh, the hype I would, man. I would, I mean, it was almost like borderline groupie stalker. Like I would travel sometimes with like where they would travel, like every year they'd go to DC for a week. I would drive down there. They would go to Saratoga in the summer. I would go up to Saratoga. Like they, I followed them to Cuba for a dance, like for a festival there. Like I was really like, and some of them loved me and some of them didn't, you know, cause I was still kind of a little <laughs> abrasive in my, you know, I was, just, I'm an aggressive guy, like in, in a good way. I was so passionate that I just, I felt like, oh, I, I've got this, thing I, I I'm so into this world I want to just give it and be a part of it and you know some people felt like it wasn't earned you know because that's a that's a very tight knit community I mean like any art form especially dance though especially at that level like you can't just jam yourself in there like you really have to be brought in and given access and I had a few friends that sort of gave me that access but of course I I, I probably overstepped so that was awesome that totally got me into the world of dance. It all pretty much culminated when a few of the dancers from New York City Ballet and my brother and Henry and I, and I we had all loved this one dance that they would dance, this Jerome Robbins piece um, called New York Export Opus Jazz, which was sort of a sister piece to West Side Story. Jerome Robbins did West Side Story, and except it was a, a non-narrative. It was sort of this abstract version about youth and, and angst and New York City and, it, it, you know, it's like five different motifs and covers a spectrum of like, you know, interracial love to there's actually a scene that's sort of been interpreted, interpreted as like a, a rape and just like all these very tough, real issues that were happening in the 50s and 60s in New York City. Anyway, so we decided to take that ballet, that 45 minute ballet, and actually film it in the streets all around New York City and make this beautiful 35 millimeter dance film for PBS. And that was just like this incredible moment that we all sort of had been working towards that really paid off. And that film for which I took the press photos got a lot of great press and my photos appeared on an, in a few newspapers and a woman in Michigan saw my photograph and was drawn to it, looked me up and then reached out via MySpace pretending to be an eight year old girl learning how to paint who wanted to paint my photo. 
And so like in a weird way, that connection, which then sort of in turn led to me being catfished, which my brother Henry filmed, which then became a documentary called Catfish, which then made me the sort of go-to guy for weird internet relationships, which then led to me having a TV <laughs> show. It all sort of cascades very quickly from there. But honestly, I would say if I had to kind of describe, and I have because I've, I've done this sort of in a talk presentation like to, to young kids before, I would say the thing for me that I look back on now as my path to success was a super zigzag. It was not a straight line. And I don't think if I had pursued a career in television that I necessarily would have made it here. It was my strange experiences and many, many mistakes and failures that strangely kind of prepared me and built me up to become someone who, who might be able to be empathetic and have it, you know, because when I go on Catfish, getting catfished is what made me eligible to be the host of Catfish. Like I had to be embarrassed and I had to be naive and I had to make that mistake in order to get to where I am. And I had, anyway, so it's just a weird theme that I'm very, now proud of that yes i made a lot of mistakes and i and i messed up and i you know i wish i played an instrument and i and i wish i had pursued dance as a career but like i don't know that i would have ever been a successful dancer and i don't know what would have happened if i had done that but somehow i'm all those things that i've touched on and been passionate about are all kind of weirdly it's like a full circle moment of, yeah well, you're doing pretty good in dancing right now i, I would say that yeah i had no idea that that's how catfish started and when you were telling the story i was like yeah cool 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 i know you want to like focus on the dancing thing because you're on dancing with the stars but like how did you get to catfish and then you brought it together and oh my god my right. mind is blown i guess my last question to you neve is do you think that your friends and family are surprised about your success i i think family has sort of always known that deep down I'm you know I'm a performer and they remember the years where they would watch me you know in Central Park in my like bright colored sweatsuits on stage with my big smile having the best time I don't necessarily think my friends certainly the ones that I've made sort of later in life had any idea I can't even remember the last time I was like at a party or a club and really danced it's just you know as you get older and it gets harder and harder to like get your energy up to the level it needs to be to really like cut a rug on a dance floor. You just do it less and less. And I, and so I even gotten to the point where I started to wonder like, cause I used to think like, Oh yeah, I'm a good party dancer. That's something that people have always told me, but I don't even know if I can do that anymore. Like, yeah. Not without some assistance, if you know what I'm talking about, but, mm -hmm. uh, but here I am. And so, and yeah, I am surprising people. And I, I'm mostly surprised how many people, are so passionate about the show. Like yeah. people love dancing with the stars. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a real yeah. thing. It is a real thing, man. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to let you guys go because I know you need to go practice or whatnot. But thank you guys so much for taking the time. Both your stories are just bonkers. The one thing that, that I get back from this show is, Neve, I think that your story is really apropos of this, is there are so many different ways to become successful. I mean, yours was pinballed around, and, and look at you now. So I think it's a really cool way to showcase a blueprint for success and not just being one path. So I appreciate you guys taking the time. Good luck with winning that. Is it the glitter ball? Is it the mirror, the mirror ball? <laughs> the mirror ball, yeah. It's a bath bomb, actually. It's a, yeah. <laughs> I really want I really want you guys to win just so Jenna you can even out the yeah. mantelpiece. Well, I you know what maybe what we should do is I'll I'll even agree to give you mine so you'll have 3. Oh, wow. And then well, I don't know if my like OCD brain could handle the off, but maybe you could go in the middle. But yes, Perfect. okay. Thanks. Guys, thanks so much for being on the show. You guys rock. That thanks, was so fun. Wells. Thanks, Wells. Bye. I'm bummed that I didn't get to do rapid fire with them, but I, as I'm looking at the time, we had gone over, and I know that I was kind of like butting up against their rehearsal time, which obviously is very important in Dancing with the Stars. I love Jenna's story because hers was one that we had heard before. She was laser-focused on what she wanted to do at a very young age, and she went out and made it happen, which sometimes I think maybe is harder than like the Neve story where you kind of are 
wandering around not really knowing what you want to do and you got to kind of figure out your success because if you're so laser focused then there is only failure for not acquiring the one thing that you set out to do you know like she was like I'm going to be a dancer well what if she broke her leg or you know like something happened where she wasn't able to you know she didn't get the so you think you can dance thing and then was spotted by people at Dancing with the Stars to come on. Like There are so many things that could have happened that would have made her success story not successful. And I think I love Neve's story the most because it's the most like mine. And that is, I set out to become a radio host at a relatively young age, but then I started ping-ponging around of doing other stuff. Dabbling in improv and doing some stand-up work and and then obviously I got into the reality TV realm just because I was just like, I at this point, will do anything because it's just fun to either be behind or in front of cameras. And I think that that's kind of where he came from was he was just maybe just interested in a lot of things and figured out something that stuck, which came from a very, very deep, dark place of him getting catfished by a quote-unquote eight-year-old girl. That is bonkers. And so interesting. So, I mean, what I love about this show is it just showcases all the different ways that you can become successful. And yeah, just in this hour, you got to see two completely different routes that led them to the same place, which is on Dancing with the Stars every week, competing for the mirror ball. By the way, my nose still, it's not even my nose, it's my the left side of my eyeball, my nasal passageway hurts so much from the freaking test by the way i'm negative so it's good news all right i'm out of here i'm gonna go play golf with uh, chris harrison so wish me luck all right later guys subscribe to wells cast on iHeartRadio, apple podcasts or anywhere you get your podcasts it's the internet Grand Canyon University makes earning your degree possible with over 130 academic programs for traditional campus students with more than 80 bachelor's programs offered online. GCU provides you with the personal support you need from complimentary unofficial transcript evaluations within 24 business hours to scholarships, academic support, and your GCU graduation team led by your own university counselor. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. I'm Stephanie J. Block. And I'm Mary Lee Fairbanks. And we host Stages Podcast. Binge close to 100 episodes. Hear the inside stories from backstage and behind the scenes as we go beyond the resume and into the heart of creativity and what it really takes to be in the business of show business. Don't miss our chats with this season's Tony nominees. If you love theater and entertainment, you are going to love Stages Podcast. Subscribe to Stages Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts and visit us at stagespodcast.net. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. I got a big heart, and I'm very forgiving, but, like, don't abuse it. It's been abused enough. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one.